Hooray! All right. So this is the first time we've recorded this episode, and there was never any other attempts before this one, so I just want to let you all know that right off the top. Uh, welcome to Brigham Young Money. You got Greg. You got Jordan. We're also here with our good friend MJ from I Hate This Town podcast. Hi. They have a podcast called I Hate This Town, which just pretty much goes through towns that people guest on and talk about how much they hate their towns. And we were just on that not that long ago, and it worked out pretty well, so well that we had MJ back on with us. Yeah, and we're finally releasing the second half of that episode. Well, you have to let the people wait for the good stuff. Maybe tomorrow. Ooh, I mean, you have to let the people know about the good stuff. Yeah. The, the second half, which is 30 minutes of us talking about Mormon theology. Perfect. That is the best part of it. That is just a little something we call foreshadowing in the industry. Foreshadowing. That's, that's right. Speaking of, uh, hopefully it won't be a disaster like the uh, thing we're covering today. Um, <laughs> anyway, we're going to talk about the uh, new documentary, Lula Rich, that came on Amazon Prime not that long ago. Uh, as much as I hate to uh, give Jeff Bezos any sort of money, it's a whole lot of fun to watch an MLM kind of self-implode on itself. And then also just see like how much it shapes our the society that we live in. Hooray! Greg, what was your thoughts on Lula Rich? Um, I think Lula Rich kind of positioned me somewhere between a full-fledged uh violent maoist and uh a bloodthirsty tanky i'm kind of somewhere in between i'm like what i'm getting at is that this uh documentary kind of sent me into a bit of an existential crisis um and i'm still trying to pick up the pieces there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of hurt. There's going to be a big therapy bill coming real soon. <laughs> um, but there are two things. Uh, first of all, I think MLM stands for Mormons losing money. <laughs> and the second thing that I gathered is that every single person in this documentary belongs in the Hague. Oh, that's that's way too soft. Yeah, like like put I like I thought that the gay guy who worked in support for Lulu Row uh should actually be valorized. I think he should be a saint. I love him. Okay. So, yeah, him him and the graphic designer. Absolutely. She, yeah. She was cool. She's great. Everyone else give them the same cell as Milosevic. I mean, the guy who did the uh Deep Space 9 uh quote towards the end of it. <laughs> I think the same person we're That's talking about like yeah. He, oh, was, yeah. he was cool, but I feel like the documentary did him so dirty with how he entered the camera on there, too. Like, you don't have to show him, like, adjusting his pants as he's sitting down. Come on. Are we talking, like, vodka cranberry guy? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's... No, he's great. Build him a statue. Yeah. Also, I just... I felt like I was just flabbergasted by just how much people... How people buying the ugliest clothes on the planet somehow made a multi-billion dollar company. Like, Yeah. That was the thing I couldn't get around was the fact that every single item of clothing that they showed was the ugliest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Horrible. Like, 
And so, and so I, I did actually right after watching this for the first time, I went thrifting and I found some LuLaRoe leggings at the thrift store. They were fucking hideous. Um, but they were really, really soft. That was the one thing they were actually like really, really soft. I bet they would be super comfortable. That's it. They were the ugly. They, they were hideous. They looked like that autism speaks puzzle piece, but like, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> It was horrible. Yeah, like <laughs> it it seems like the only thing that I can really gather from that is that like America had a phase where they were trying to be like a cross between Mimi from the Drew Carey show and uh Miss Frizzle. There was this very specific time where like people started wearing leggings as pants and I think that like and I remember because I, I remember the first time I noticed somebody wearing like brightly patterned leggings as pants. And I was like, at, they were my server at a restaurant. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't think those count as pants. Um, but suddenly it was like everywhere people were wearing like, you know, like shit with roses all over them and then like a tank top. And that yeah. was very specifically that time period, like just the very bookended yeah. chunk of the post 9-11 and you know end of history american culture yeah and then there was like what was like 2011 2012 like i specifically remember like that's when jeggings became such a big thing and they took they took over the entire fucking world Oh, I had so many jeggings. Those th- okay. Here's the deal, though. Them shits are comfortable as fuck. Oh, I'm sure they are. They're like, <laughs> like, they're like stretchy sweatpants. Exactly. It's sweatpants, except like I, that's. I will not judge anybody for wearing leggings as pants. It's basically like wearing your pajamas outside. Sure. Like anybody who who follows me on Twitter or you know is a fan of the podcast and listens knows that. Uh, I am a jock at heart and always will be. And like, I own so many like stretchy under armor pants. <laughs> oh, they're like, so good. Like the, the tights, you know, that every basketball and football player wears. I will wear those in my casket. <laughs> they're the most comfortable things I've ever worn. So I get, I get the leggings and jeggings, uh, infatuation for sure yeah but i mean like it wasn't it was an objectively hideous they're all objectively fucking hideous clothes uh, like just awful awful that was the moment that birthed us uh kristen cinema's political career i really feel like (laughs) (laughs) oh my god she really does look like she crawled out of one of those leggings it's even better that like she went to BYU and you just know there's got to be some sort of like MLM tie there. Oh, there they're is just, because she just one, has to be. She's one of like the direct selling associations, like biggest people inside the Senate, too. Of course she of course she is. is. Of course she is. By the way, I, I wonder find how it, much I find it so funny that the uh, lobbying firm for uh for MLMs is also called DSA. It's called the DSA. <laughs> the first time I heard that, because we were listening to that, we were listening to that dream podcast in the car on our way to Long Island, and I like paused it and just started laughing my fucking ass off. It's like I am going to hear Democratic Socialists of America every single time they reference the DSA in this podcast. Whoa. I mean, if that's the case, can I get some like DSA rose 
uh covered leggings leggings i'm, like, I'm sure how is that not a thing i'm sure they've stolen that design at least once or twice oh, of course probably they just like have. swapped out the rose for like a like a platypus or something i don't know <laughs> could be anything i mean they were cranking those things out like like hotcakes just one after another oh my uh, god I, I guess we should probably start from the beginning though with this documentary with the wonderful people that like formed this mlm pyramid scheme allegedly uh mark and deanne stidham those are some people that i really wish i didn't know existed in this world and now they're stuck in my brain for the rest of time they came on screen and i went that lady's a mormon and then about three seconds later they said we're members of the church of jesus christ latter-day saints and i went i knew it it was the perfect <laughs> dynamic for mormons you have, I remember when I, when I first started, yeah, that first scene, I was watching it with my wife and I turned around and it said, these people are an amalgamation of every single person who has ever attended a Donald Trump rally. Oh yeah. Oh, like if you could take every single one of those people and like put them in like the contraption from the fly, <laughs> you would get the owners of LuLaRoe. God, yeah. The the great thing about Mark and Deanne is you could see them. Like I know people like I like I grew up with ever Mormons that fit that build to a T. Just like the the wife who is very flamboyant, very sort of like shiny in her dress, and like the husband who has like really out of date facial hair. And is secretly just he a has gigantic. the Jim Rome goatee and just secretly a prick <laughs> to his core. And like, that was like, I, I know those people. I I've met those people. Those people were my neighbors. They're, they're so, I mean, so they're two, two very distinct things. One extremely fucking West coast and yes. two like clearly just incredibly slimy like you can't you can't hear them speak for more than a couple of minutes and just be like you people are fucking evil oh yeah oh yeah and when they got into their uh origin stories too that's when you really saw it kind of like take hold like oh, oh yeah uh oh my goodness first off i i was <laughs> i laughed so hard when Deanna was going through her history and how she's a twin and her twin sister's name is Diane. I was like, that is the most Mormon thing ever too. It's that like, is as that's as Mormon as it gets the most like, well, we had this name picked out. So let's just do a slight deviation for the, uh, for the next one. And that, that that'll work. Right. Sure. So, so here's the thing that's funny. I'm, I am cat. Well, I'm not Catholic, but my family is Catholic. And um, my, so my dad has, my dad has, 12 siblings and my mom has five god damn old school very yeah. east coast catholic um there are multiple sets of twins in there none of them have even remotely similar last names so, so names so somehow like my grandparents were able to come up with 13 distinct fucking names for all of their kids and these people went deanne and diane sure why the fuck not 
that's but that's such an inherently like mormon thing to do like you'll get um i guess there are a lot of saints you can name your kids after if you have 13 (laughs) of them that's fair but like (laughs) in utah we have this phenomenon that not only do we have like we have cornered the market on like the fucked up spelling of names But you'll also get like group names. Like you'll get like a family of eight, like eight children, and they all of their names will start with K. Oh, you'll like you'll get like you'll, you'll get like Kinsley and Caden and Caitlin and Carter with a K. You'll you'll get the alliteration ones, but my favorite yeah. ones by far are the ones that like take um they'll do weird things like take their favorite characters from shows and like mix them together too. It's like, well, he likes game of he, well he likes lord of the rings and i like frozen so we named our first child eldorf just a mixture <laughs> of the two and you're like okay sure sure yeah i guess i mean like this the only Bilbo thing we have- elsa <laughs> This is Tom, Tom Daenerys Bombadil. Um, <laughs> oh, but yeah, I guess the only thing we have that's similar is like everybody's first name starts with Mary. So my my aunts, we got Mary Margaret, Mary Aline, Mary Frances. Wow. Um, <laughs> then nobody a, goes, you know, goes by Mary. They just go by her middle name. That's some extremely, <laughs> extremely Catholic shit, though. I mean, my name is Mary Jean. Like, yeah. <laughs> if I had if I had if I had siblings that were female, they would probably be like Mary Agnes and Mary Catherine. Oh, I love it. Jeez. Well, anyways, <laughs> speaking of uh, Deanne's fun family, her uh, parents had this. Uh, I, I found this New York Times article from 1972 that pretty much just talked about her parents and their book, "The Secret Power of Femininity." Mm. which by the way their last names was startup which is just the most perfect thing ever as well it's like <laughs> wow that was one of my favorite details in episode one was like startup like a car yeah it's like yeah like a car or a business or little, little little did she know again that word of the day foreshadowing I mean, the secret power of femininity, that phrase has such an incredible darkness to it. Oh, yeah. And I took a little excerpts from this New York Times article because you can't find the book anywhere. That thing does not exist in the world at all. And what they did was like these this family was like running scams of their own, too. Like I took this one paragraph in the article. The couple recently had about 250 young women paying $300 a piece to take part in femininity forums, 12 sessions of three hours each in the greater Los Angeles area. These weren't their first classes and they won't be the last daughters of women who once attended the forums are now beginning to sign up for them as well. And then it just kind of gives a couple of sections from this book too, that I just thought was like the most like why, why, uh, from the power, from the secret power of femininity, um, it illustrates a few little fun startup techniques. Uh, for example, shaking hands is an art for the feminine woman. She will begin eagerly and confidently, then suddenly, seeming to realize that it is a man's hand she is holding, begin to shyly draw it away from her own. Uh, nothing can be better designed to remind the man immediately of the contrast of her feminine shyness with his manly thoughtlessness and indifference. It cries out to him, Watch your step. Here is a dainty, tender woman. Oh my God. <laughs> so a lot of things about Lula Rich made sense after I read those quotes and like, hmm. 
Okay. I yeah. I mean, there's, it's a, it's a common phrase that like masculinity is an incredibly like constructed social phenomenon, but there is the flip side to that, which is that white femininity specifically is an equally constructed social phenomenon. Like, can you imagine having to keep this shit in mind all of the time? You would be exhausted. Oh, I, just, me. I think that we should actually be praising um, Deanne's mom for uh, creating girl bossing. It's true. Oh my God. No. <laughs> just all the- I, I tried i tried so hard to keep a straight face I, you guys i i know how much you must have suffered watching this i've watched it twice now <laughs> oh no I, I was watching with my wife double the like, brain poison double the fun i was oh, i loved it I, I was getting into it hard too my <laughs> wife was like do you want to watch another episode like yes yes I had taken I had taken a personal day from work just because a bunch of shit had been like going wrong. <laughs> like I need a day to myself. I just sat on the couch and I watched the whole thing. The entire straight through. The entire aesthetic uh, surrounding <laughs> these people too is just like everything is so bright and colorful. I'm just like my brain is having a hard time just making sense of all this because these are a lot of n- unnatural colors in like a sphere that's just blowing directly into my brain. And I don't know if I can take this. But I'm also fascinated and totally bought in. So let's go. It's like if like Las Vegas Boulevard like birthed a couple. God, it's true. There's something so hypnotic about Deanne, which I mean, like there has to be, right? Like you don't get to this. You don't start a pyramid scheme, allegedly, um, without being just intensely charismatic. And she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's so incredible to like see how charismatic she is see how good at this she is and how good she is at like getting her point across and then i thought how they inter interstitial the bits of them like testifying um doing their depositions was so good because you can see who they actually are and that was so brilliant Oh my goodness. The one part of the deposition I loved the most was like when she was like staring at like posts from people on Facebook, like, wow, two likes, huh? That was that's like, sad. It's like, wow, like, that's that the most the core. You know, the thing that kept like circling in my brain during like the deposition scenes and everything, I was like, it it really explained to me like why someone like Donald Trump is so fucking good at grifting. Because they share all of the exact same kind of like narcissism and shamelessness, as well as like the pettiness. Like, you can't tell me that, like, if Donald Trump was on Facebook, you know, like scrolling, he wouldn't have said that exact same thing. Like, oh, yeah. Do do you like something sad? (laughs) Well, and and they're so offended. They're so offended at being questioned. They get so defensive, every single one of them. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, I think I, I think I messaged when I messaged you about the show, Greg, I was like, this is an incredible example of Mormon mindset. Totally. They've got really good Mormon mindset. Every, yeah. Everything from the like inherent offensiveness to like being a rising grind meme in real life. (laughs) Yeah. They, they Uh encompass, they encompass all of it and it is 
fascinating to watch. And it's like, if you aren't kind of tuned into that culture, I feel like there's some nuance there that you would probably like, wouldn't really understand. But if you grow up and like, yeah, have people like this as your neighbors, it just kind of, you know, as the kids say, it hits different. What, what well, that's really? the thing is because I am absolutely coming from the outside of this. So my, I'm fascinated by this. This is like so fucking interesting to me because I have not, I, you know, I've met people like this, but they're patently evil. Like they don't believe what they're doing. Um, this is a very specific type of like West coast Mormon person. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like there's almost like a weird like entitlement there of like, you know, I've been told my whole life that if I am righteous and I work hard, um, that I am going to be reaping the blessings. And in the case of Mike and Deanne, like this alleged pyramid scheme is their blessing. You know, yeah. this is this is their righteousness manifesting. Yeah, I, I there was one scene in particular too I thought about too in that first episode too where Mark goes like he's offered a job or something like that for like four hundred and twelve dollars a week or something and he says like I'll never settle yeah. for four hundred and twelve dollars a week and I'm just like that was the moment where I completely broke I was like wow fuck this guy I don't really care at all what happens to him I hope he goes to jail forever and because it just showed like their mentality too it's like I am better than everyone and I deserve to have all the good things and. When you're talking about that uh, element of how, like, if you're righteous and you work hard, you'll get all the good things. That's the exact sort of feeling that these people feed off of. Like, they believe it for themselves, but they don't believe it for anyone else. Like, they believe everyone else is no. supposed to, no, 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 supposed no, no, to be no, no, subservient no. to them. So they literally just create their own serfdom out of people they believe are their lessers. And that's just, that was the thing that just made me, like, recoil the most. Yeah, it's like it's like familial manifest destiny. Yeah. And and like, you know, because the way they talk about themselves, the way they talk about each other, you know, like you're saying, like, you know, they they worked hard, they reaped the blessings, they deserve this. But even the people who like got up to the upper echelons of LuLaRoe, like even their tippy top people like they clearly still thought of themselves as better than them despite the fact that they did this thing that you know mark says like it was a great social experiment because everybody gets a box it's what you do with that box yes and it's like well some of these people you know worked your pyramid scheme allegedly into making themselves hundreds of thousands of dollars a month but you still didn't think of them as being your equal no yeah, absolutely. Like they're, and it's this, it's this weird, like American mindset of like people who, you know, who are executives or heads of businesses where it's like, we have given you this opportunity. Sure. You have made something great out of it, but ultimately you are forever indebted to us for giving you that opportunity. Right. We gave you a gift. Yeah. Out of like, yeah. Out of the goodness of our hearts and the $5,000 out of your pocket. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, like you think about that too, like all the people that was able to like claw up to the upper echelons of this company. And then you like, think about like, 
wow, the actual like <laughs> positions in this company that are actually should be staffed by competent people that could be probably staffed by the people that are just clawed to the top here, but you're not going to reward them with any sort of real position in your company. You're going to give it to your doofus fail sons and daughters. <laughs> Man, talk about a, a rogues gallery of freaks. Yeah, just a murderer's row of justifications for the wealth tax. Oh, my God. Yeah. And the one oh, we'll get to him. The hair. <laughs> There's just so many like abhorrent things happening in this show. Yeah. There's so one, many choices. And once again, going back to the depositions, like the only thing that you can really have for a defense for some of these people is that they're probably too stupid to know what they were doing was illegal to begin with. Like that Jordan. Oh, they absolutely uh, did not know it was illegal, but they no. just were like, well, it shouldn't be illegal. Except for so the, I'm going to pretend that it's not. Except for the one guy that kept saying like, listen, we're a pyramid scheme right now. We need to stop being a pyramid scheme. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the depositions, like, oh do, do you know what a pyramid scheme is? No, I believe him. I don't think he knows what the pyramid scheme is. Cause he was just like, I just, I Googled our company and then I felt bad. And then I just said it and I, I still feel bad. And I don't know if we are or not, but no. Like, you know, having worked for a fa a, a local family owned business that is now gone uh, national and international and is staffed uh, with fail sons with whose only credential is they share the, uh, the same last name as the CEO. I've witnessed this kind of thing firsthand. Um, there's also a reason why I like just straight up walked from that company. You, you I know, had a job recently that was, I had a job interview recently that for a job that's based out of Provo and, um, oh no. as a, a, a tech company tech job. And, um, my second interview, way I was asking them some questions and it was just like a number of red flags. I was just walking through the red flag factory trying to pick all of them up. And, but one of them was, we know that the rate of pay to start is low, but we're a really family oriented company. So we really want you to be part of our family and we really want to make space for your family. <laughs> it's just like, I will not be accepting this job. Thank you. So what yeah, you're saying just, is you're not a union child. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're going to pay me uh, $5,000 less a year to leave my unionized job. No, thank you. But we're family here. Oh my God. Uh, honestly, I think yeah, like, they're like, if you ever need to take your kids to kids to the doctor's office, we're super understanding of that. I was like, do you think I have kids? Let's get real. Honestly, I think like, seeing as much like hierarchical and like generational wealth in Utah that like just gets passed down because most of the people that are in like the upper echelons of like politics or in business in the state are either Miller's Romney's or Eccles. So you just like, yeah, I think maybe being a leftist is the way to go for this just because I don't want to see these people anymore. <laughs> but that that's just the way it is. But moving on to like the second episode too, where you start to actually meet the distributors for this company, that's where it really starts to get really interesting. Um, the people they were targeting for this, uh, for this, I guess, 
I didn't feel right calling it a company. This scheme, scam, allegedly, whatever. But it was very coded in how they did it too. Like the, like the parents, the stay-at-home moms, the like military families. It was all star-spangled blue. But it just felt weird. It felt just inherently predatory. Like they went after like a, a certain segment of the population, knowing that like these people are vulnerable or, you know, they have the the necessary time to be able to dedicate to this. And then, you know, it's a, it was a very kind of cloak and dagger thing, in my opinion. Well, I mean, it speaks to they what, what these companies do is they manipulate they manipulate a reality of, of capitalism, right? Where, right. Um, you know, people want to spend more time with their families, except that they can't afford to. Um, and like, there, is there any practical reason other than, it, it, you know, control that we don't have a four day work week where everybody gets paid, you know, a base salary of $60,000 a year. No, no, there's no. no real reason for that. So, you know, these, these are, these are stay at home moms, you know, who want to be with their kids who don't want to have to like work full-time jobs, which is totally understandable. You know, like there are people who want to stay home with their kids. And so this company targets them because it promises them something that isn't it promises them a a very pastoral very traditional kind of white american ideal uh and they don't have to work very hard for it yeah i mean that was the promise of it too essentially is uh, the part-time work for full-time pay sort of idea that uh-huh. really sort of that caught a lot of people for it too, but you're definitely right. It was that sort of like white American promise too. I mean, it's trying to sell people in like a 1950s aesthetic. I mean, that also just kind of shines through with like Deanne's full aesthetic all the time anyway, because she tries to look like, like leave it to Beaver's mom the entire time. And well, leave it to Beaver's mom dressed better than that. Oh yeah. Well, of course, but I mean, pretty much anyone does, because honestly, those colors. <laughs> so tacky. I just can't get over how fucking tacky it all is. You have so much money, more money than God. Why can't you dress yourself? She she had the same aesthetic as like Tammy Faye Baker, but but that was just mainly in the eyes more than anything, just because those like dark, oh, yeah, those nice. bright blue eyes would just like look at you and just like feel like I'm going to turn into stone or something. Good <laughs> Lord. She looked like if Peggy Bundy like overdosed on like antidepressants. Yeah, Peggy Bundy if she was rich. If she yeah. was rich, yeah. Um, I was thinking about this though too. They had the one of the one of the uh, sellers. What did they call them again? I don't even remember. Retailers. Retailers. Okay, yeah. They had one of them that was a military wife too, and that was the one that really sort of struck with me a little bit too because. I have been propositioned so many times on military bases for like MLMs that it just drives me crazy. And it's, it's one of the saddest things too, because like you'll get invited over to someone's house. And I'm like, Hey, you want to come over and you know, sure. Whatever. We'll hang out too. It was like, 
Oh, I see you got some dry skin there. Would you like to try some Mary Kay? It's like, what? <laughs> no. Um, well, I, so, you know, conveniently enough, I was like looking at Instagram earlier and my algorithm is just all fucked. And um, one of the things, because I keep looking at all these MLM people and trying to find stuff, uh, one of the things that keeps showing me is, you know, women who do MLMs. And I found a new group of people and it's all law. It's called LEO wives. So cop wives oh, no. Uh, no. who sell Monat, the hair and skincare MLM. That is horrible. So, that is it's the like most a, it's cursed. Yeah, and I mean, like the 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 algorithm served me up multiple in a row, so it's it's absolutely a thing. But yeah, I mean, it's it's like, listen, you know, if if your identity is built around being a military wife or a cop wife, like you probably have some ideals about how, like, the American family. Oh my! Oh yeah, yeah. I would think that like these are the people who are like really into like still into like Norman Rockwell paintings. Yeah. That, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, white, white picket fence, like, you know, F one fifty in the driveway kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's really like, I know this girl growing up uh, who her family was really conservative. Her brother went to VMI um, the Virginia Military Institute, which just cranks out the world's most psychopathic Marines. Um, and she ended up marrying a Marine. And like, she was always like a cons- like Republican feminist kind of person. But like what she turned into after they ma- got married was very strange trying to just thread the needle of like believing in women's empowerment, but up to a line. Oh, wow. It, it was very, it's very, very strange. Uh, like she's really into powerlifting and like does strongman competitions, but like does, I, but there's also some weird stuff in there about body image and like what strength is it's all incredibly odd um, and I'm not smart enough to really draw all the connections as to what's going on there. But like there is a lot in this gray area and LuLaRoe exploits that that is like being subservient, being in a patriarchal nuclear family, being traditionally white feminine, but also being assertive and feminist and a girl boss. And like Rachel Hollis does the same thing, you know, girl, wash your face or whatever. Like it's all living in this like contradictory gray space. Yeah. I think you, you put that perfectly that it's like, it's, it's like a weird, like contradictory juxtaposition. You guys yeah. think that you guys think if LuLaRoe actually has Blue Life Matter prints? One hundred percent. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, did you see home like homegirl, the, the military wife, like in her like terrible uh, American flag military dress? Oh, they absolutely God. have a thin blue line. 
Oh yeah, I saw that one too. I'm actually looking up like American Prince that Lula Row does, and it's oh, 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 oh. it's something. <laughs> there's a lot of tech. There's like a Zupa's print that's just like red, white, and blue stripes all the way through, but it's like tiger striped. God. It looks oh god terrible <laughs> for when you've got to go cheer for the New York Giants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Bengals fan. <laughs> But a really American one. Oh my God. That's There's so one funny. that is kind of based. It's uh it's honestly just like skulls with, with like red, white, and blue flags over the top of the skulls. <laughs> oh hell yeah. It's it's either incredibly fascist or incredibly based, depending on how you look <laughs> at it. Um, but yeah, it's just flag skulls on leggings. I, I'm yeah. sure people were just so happy to see that in their grab bag every now and then. Oh, <laughs> it's the official Chris Kyle leggings. <laughs> <laughs> he was wearing those when he was uh, he was in Louisiana during Katrina. Yeah, <laughs> the top of the Superdome. Oh my god! Oh, yep, found him instantly on Poshmark. <sighs> Thin blue line, little row. Oh, <laughs> incredible shit. <laughs> Honestly, it's the most fitting thing for this company. Let's just be honest. Wow. Those are wow. But like, which is just part of like another, like another layer of this company in that like a, they would just steal designs like left and right. And B like, I don't really think like these people do not have morals. They do not have a conscience. So like, whether it's thin blue lines or like some sort of like crazy fascist imagery, they will slap that on anything regardless of the repercussions simply to make a profit because that is all the only thing that ultimately boils like what it all boils down to is these people are money hungry. I mean, they, had they to only do... only care about profit. Yeah, they had to do a hundred designs a week, which is insane. And just for like things that we're going to make 3000 prints of and then like never talk to again like and that was like one of the things that really got to me too is because like there's no joy in like the creativeness trying to create those designs at all it's just like all right i gotta go through the motions just to create design 67 today so these will be like three thousand prints that go out to who knows how many people so they can try and hold them up during like a Facebook live thing. And like, then someone types in sold really quick. And then that just moves on. It's such a machine to just like sell one piece of leggings that it was just, it was just drove me insane. Just trying to like contemplate it for more than five seconds. Well, I mean, it just shows you how little these people understood how you run a business. Cause like yeah. on, it's, it is actually very smart to not ever let anybody pick what they get for everything to be constantly different, to only make limited runs of things. That's really, really smart because it means that there's always demand. But if you're going to do that, you also have to limit the number of retailers you allow so that you can keep up with that demand. And like, so that the retailers are actually making money, which means that they have an incentive to order more. Like, Oh, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not a very fucking smart person, but I know that. (laughs) Uh, but i mean maybe it's because i've ever had a job but i think that's like that's the problem though too is like it's like what's the actual commodity here is it the actual leggings or is the actual is it the actual uh sellers for it i mean at a certain point like like that was the tipping point where like people realize like wait i'm not the product at all Uh, i mean the leggings aren't the product i'm the product 
Well, yep. that's, I mean, the fact is that, uh, listen, literally any kind of it, anything that is sold to women, actually anything that's sold to people, it's not just women anymore. It, the product isn't, the product isn't what you're selling. The pro, what you're selling is the idea that you're going to look like the person who's selling it to you yeah. or act like the person who's selling it to you. I mean, like people, like there was this whole thing about this blogger named Blogilates who does like exercise shit talking about how like she always only ever does body weight exercises and how you don't need to lift weights all the time. It's like, well, that's not true. That's not how physiology works. It's not no. how exercise works. Not at all. But like she looks good. She's thin and she's muscular. So like what she's selling isn't a product that works or a strategy that works. What she's selling is herself and the idea that you might aspire to someday look like her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think honestly, like, I think there was a quote by, uh, oh, what's his name? He's the guy who wrote Nixon land, but he did a bunch of articles for on MLMs for the nation. And he pretty much just, he quoted one book that pretty much just said like, everyone inside the one of these rallies is cheering because there's one person up front telling them like, I I'm rich. And so can you be, but the problem is the guy up front didn't get rich the same way you have to get rich. And so that's the real disconnect there. Yeah. yeah. Also, I found um, an uncle Sam print of Lula row <laughs> and uncle Sam looks like jigsaw from all the saw movies. <laughs> And I know that's pretty, that's pretty based. That is pretty fucking cool. I am staring at this thing and I am terrified. <laughs> I'm going to buy my niece and twin nephews those for Christmas. I'm going to just get this, uh, this colorful uncle Sam jigsaw blouse with my, uh, with my American flag skull leggings. And, um, we're going to have a very good 4th of July. We just send that to all the politicians of the countries that we've like staged coups in, you know, and then just have the, uh, the little, <laughs> little card that says, do you want to play a game <laughs> with the like old Navy 4th of July American t-shirt? T oh man. My grandmother Which, used to buy that for us every incredibly year. Incredibly popular in Utah. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding? Oh yeah. If you go to a, if you go to an old Navy on the 4th of July, thinking you're going to actually find a flag shirt, you are sorely mistaken because they have been sold out for four days. We're going to fight for those. Yes. It is the same yes. waving flag as it was last year. Yes. It does look like the Carrie Edwards bumper sticker. It doesn't matter. It's still popular. <laughs> I love that. I just love that. I think that's great. Yeah. I think so everybody great. can like march their eight blonde children down freedom <laughs> Boulevard in Provo. Oh, uh. <laughs> how many of these uh, uncle sam things are there they must have done that print a few times just looking at lularo leggings listen i am captivated okay i am sorry oh, oh my, my god <laughs> anyway um just gonna go on poshmark and get myself some blue lives matter leggings here just uh you know spice it up a little bit oh you're gonna look fucking awesome in the gym can we talk about the rallies they had though? Those were the, those were the things that really got to me. And again, very Trump-esque. They were like revivals. Yeah. They were. And the Mark fucking reciting shit from the book of Mormon really. It's my favorite. Oh my God. That really, 
really tracks. But yeah, I mean, like that's that's what these things do. They no, I, and you can tell me how you guys feel, but I feel like it kind of the, the show kind of jumped the shark a little bit after that when they said that like Mark was comparing himself to Joseph Smith. You could have dug like, into that makes, way makes, more. Makes total sense, but I was like, you're kind of giving up the game a little early. You know, that should have been like the grand reveal at the end kind of a thing. Like, cause it was always, they were kind of hinting towards that, but then like, you know, was it halfway or, or three quarters of the way through episode two, they were talking about that or, or was it episode three? I don't remember. It's all a blur, but, um, but yeah, when they were talking about that, I was like, of course, like that explains the narcissism that explains the delusions of grandeur that explains this idea of like, I have blessed you, my children with this wonderful gift. I am. I have pulled this thing from the mountainside and it was a bunch of leggings from (laughs) questionable sources. (laughs) Like padlocks and lightning bolts on them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I would, I, uh, for, extremely selfish reasons i wish that there was more of this but also i think that like you know there was a lot left out of the story that they just couldn't squeeze into four episodes yeah and i wanted i wanted that part of the story (laughs) i wanted to know about mark comparing himself to joseph smith and reciting shit from the book of mormon like i want to know that well the government went after both of them so you know there's some similarities a little yeah and for the same reason too yeah i mean running a (laughs) financial scam kind of would kind of does get the attention of them so i mean i I get that but you could have dug in way more into that too just because like you know he wanted to talk about like if you're doing that interview you could steer that towards mormonism very easily just because like in the first like paragraph that they were talking to him with they volunteer that information dig into that i yeah i mean i think that i think that it's i think that if you aren't mormon it's something where you just be like huh okay that's weird and like move on or like if you aren't familiar with mormonism or whatever like you you probably would be like oh whatever you know it's just the same as being like i'm an evangelical christian so, I mean, like, I think it was a missed opportunity, but I can understand why you would miss the opportunity. Absolutely. And I think it's also just because like most people outside of Utah don't realize just how prevalent like MLMs are here. Like it, it doesn't really become like a thought until you like actually start going around Salt Lake and going around Utah and seeing like all the billboards or all the buildings for them. Or like you go to a sporting event, for example, you go to a jazz game, for example, and you have like the new skin jazz dancers who go out there and dance in midcourt. No one thinks anything about it. You go to a BYU football game and the gigantic, the gigantic scoreboard is by new skin. You go to a U- university of Utah football game and there's doTERRA signs all across the stadium too. And like, that's just supposed to be normal. Yeah. And I think we can actually go a step further and, and I have a take um, and I think that a big reason why it's so prevalent um, is that the LDS church's business model is basically an MLM. You know, it's all about recruitment 
And if we're being honest about what missionary work is, that's also recruitment. And it just ultimately means more people paying tithing, which is why the church has, I don't know, like, what is it? The hundred billion dollar endowment. So it's like you go out in the field and you convert all of these people to Mormonism and then their sons go out on missions and they do the same thing. And we continue to grow and grow and grow. And then all of that money gets siphoned into the top. Listen, if you get five followers and they get five followers and they get five followers, then, you know, honestly, that makes sense too. If you think about how uh, the hierarchy of the church works too, from profit on down, you got your like senior platinum level. And then you got like, executive double diamond level which i guess would be the apostles and then from there the extra gold double platinum diamond triple <laughs> oh it's incredible my wife just sent me a text she just said i just had a cursed mental image of governor spencer cox and head to toe and lularoe <laughs> i mean that would just like a it would just look like a penis in a condom let's be honest <laughs> Oh, God, awful. Head, head to toe, jigsaw, Uncle Sam's, Spencer Cox. Of the, I mean, he also kind of looks, I mean, looks like that Uncle Sam, too. I mean, he might actually be able to pull it off in a weird way. Oh, my, oh my God. What a haunted man. Oh. <laughs> just that doTERRA thing, I swear, is going to like put me in an early grave just because like, that's the only thing I've been able to think about for like the last three days, just like how blatantly corrupt that was, but also just because like, he's also supposed to be like a never Trump conservative. I'm actually, I guess I'm more, I mean, I understand that doTERRA is based in Utah, but I guess I'm more surprised. I'm always surprised that it's doTERRA in Utah and not, um, Oh God damn it. What's the other one? Um, the, the Christian one. Uh, young living young living oh they're also in utah yeah interesting well i, I mean i guess i'm just like surprised that doTERRA is so much bigger than them just because like young living has that like openly christian thing and doTERRA at least nods to the like hippy dippy you know oh they both like woo -woo massage therapists of america well that's the funny thing is like doTERRA also like leans into the heavily mormon stuff too like they uh, help like Operation Underground Railroad, like buy police equipment and all that as well. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> I am serious as a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, no, they have this thing called the Helping Hands Foundation that um, uh, has they also have their own brand of uh, essential oil that they use to give like uh, supposedly give like sex trafficking victims or something. And it has like oh Operation Under Underground Railroad's phone number underneath the label. And like their logic is. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? You call them and they're just like, oh, damn. <laughs> We're going to come do an op. Maybe. But I mean, that surprise. And the story for this had two like really big jumps in logic. The first of all is they won't take it away from the victims. It smells too good. It's like I, that doesn't make any sense at all. And then like the second thing, it's like, okay, so you have these, you have these people in captivity. How are they going to get a phone? And why would they call you? <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, I, 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 that I'm, I'm completely fucking speechless. That's incredible. I'll send you the article <laughs> for that one too. You can just have the exact same re- reaction that I had, which is pretty much just scream at my computer for like 30 seconds. I don't know what has happened to me. I just don't, I don't get angry at these things anymore. I just like, that's the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Actually, I think when I read it, I just laughed. (laughs) It's it's immensely upsetting, but it's also just like, it's absurd. We get the, we got the, we didn't get the country we wanted, but we got the country we deserved. (laughs) (laughs) Without a doubt. Also, it's called hope. That's the flavor. They made their own essential oil flavor called hope, which sure. Sure. Oh, anyway, doTERRA gave our attorney general $33,000 in like the last couple of years. Um, doTERRA, if you are looking to give away money, I would also like $33,000. Um, that depends. Are you in charge of law I won't enforcement do anything. in the state? I won't do anything good with it. Well, neither is Sean Reyes, so don't worry about that. <laughs> I'll buy a bigger TV so that I can watch more MLM documentaries. Oh, man. There we, we gotta- go. We got to talk about our favorite man. Uh, What's his name? Sam? Yes. Sam Schultz. Our marketing genius who has no experience in marketing. Should we just go ahead and dive into episode four? Yeah, let's just dive into episode four where everything just falls apart for everybody. Except for... yeah, so. I mean, episode three is where it gets really, really good. But like, you know, it's all predictable. Shit falls apart. It turns out that it's really sexist and racist. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I haven't even talked about like the one scene where uh, what's his name? The husband guy. I forget their names. Who cares? They're Mark. Mark just like tells tells like this crowd full of like housewives not to like get on your knees for five minutes a day and your husband will say yes to anything. I'm like, wow, that's super unprofessional but yeah I guess we should also probably that. talk about you know like the the tijuana surgeries oh my god oh, yeah how did i glance over that <laughs> <laughs> we went down we went down an our rabbit hole first of all why tijuana i'm you can find a doctor who can who can do that anywhere but why there it's cheaper it's, it's cheaper but they, they but of, drove of, down of and, all the things to skimp on. Like that, that was the thing that I always had me, like had me really confounded about this. Cause like Jordan, you're right. Like you can go and get this surgery anywhere, you know? And there was that, that talk, uh, that scene in the beginning of the, uh, the documentary or not the beginning, but I think in the beginning of, of episode two, where they're talking about how flashy Mark and Deanne are, and you could always, you know, see the, or, or, or yes, yeah, see them coming when they were going to come into the office. Cause they would have this like fleet of Mercedes. So all of these people are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on vehicles. And then, you know millions upon millions of dollars on these crazy parties but like you're gonna skimp on weight loss surgery like the I, thing you like you're gonna skimp on your actual body i think that I, I you know i might be wrong on this but i think that there is also less of a um there's less of an onboarding 
if you get it done in Mexico, like yeah. there isn't the kind of, I mean, most plastic surgeons don't take insurance, but yeah. they are at least beholden to like, you know, the medical boards in their state. So, you know, people who might not qualify in the United States for certain types of more dramatic weight loss surgeries, like the gastric sleeve, um, can get it in Mexico. That makes sense. But also I just found it funny too. Like though they, they talked about the one woman who got a weight loss surgery somewhere else and it went bad and there were complications with it. And then like Deanne was like, well, looks like you learned a lesson. It's like, really? It could go just as bad in Tijuana, if not probably even worse results. Like things yeah. go bad all the time. <laughs> it's not a simple yeah. surgery. No. And the, if you can't, if your body rejects the gastric balloon, then like you probably shouldn't get a gastric sleeve. No. Yeah. That, that was the thing that was so confounding like just so fucked up about that like not only the callous reaction but this idea of like yeah the sleeve versus the 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 balloon or whatever like what what the fuck well i mean the fact that like they were even doing this in the first place like these like weird funnel of people i yeah i don't know but it, it goes it goes to that bigger thing about like selling an image that like you know that you're you're not just selling a product you're selling yourself and like you know you have to be skinny and successful and smart and look your best you know and you have to have the hourglass figure and everything else and like there's just and and there's this we see it a lot here in Utah where there is this like underlying pressure at all times to be perfect and you get kind of that like stepford wives um kind of mentality as well as that like outward appearance and with like there's also a huge problem here in utah about like keeping up with the joneses like your neighbor gets a brand new lexus you've got to go out and do the same thing so there's this like there's this weird competition and like striving for perfection and this like, and it's, it's, it's insatiable. It's never enough. And I feel like that kind of like, that really ties into who, you know, Mike and Deanne are as well as like what they were selling and that weight loss surgery is just a a microcosm of that. Like Utah per capita is the uh, plastic surgery capital of the world. Yeah. I think we're like, it's like for the world, it's like us. And then like Seoul, South Korea. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Like my, my mom was a uh, plastic surgeon a plastic surgery nurse for a number of years and in Provo, Utah, and they did more boob jobs than any hospital in the country. So wild. Yeah. It's just this, it's, it's head to toe, every aspect of your life being completely perfect. I wonder, I mean, I I guess, I wonder if like that has anything to do with the fact that like 
your life in the afterlife is supposed to basically perfectly mimic your life on earth. I could probably see an argument for that too, because you're supposed to be your like most perfected version of yourself in the afterlife. So, I mean, I guess like if you perfect yourself in the, in the, uh, in the mortal coil, then maybe it just carries over. I don't know. Like once again, Mormon doctrine is like trying to nail jello to a wall. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know there's not like, you know, it's, it's so much of it is like cultural and not like, and not, you know, theologically based, but it's still just like interesting because, you know, evangelical Christianity has that to a degree, but not, but just like not there's like shades and shades in it of it it's not as like i don't know uniformly the case yeah i don't know that's a i've never thought about this more than just like why is everyone getting plastic surgery but yeah on a deeper level man i honestly just think like it's uh it's it's more of an economic indicator in utah because like everything i think that's a huge part of it yeah it's because like you're supposed to be like if you can afford the resources to actually do it, you're supposed to do it just because you're signifying to everyone else in your community or your neighborhood that you're better than them, which is so weird for what's supposed to be like a very religious community is that we're always striving to be better than the other person. Well, I mean, I, I mean, you talk about like, you know, outward displays of wealth and like if you if you obey and you are virtuous and you work hard, then you are blessed with, you know, wealth. Well, I mean, like, I guess it would follow then that, like, if you are virtuous and good, you would be blessed with a beautiful appearance. Yeah. That, like so. it's, you know, it's like another physical and like aesthetic symbol of your virtue. It's it's another layer to that prosperity gospel. Yeah, I don't know. It's just fascinating to me because everybody in my family looks like shit. I, I just know that Deanne, after she got the weight loss surgery, just looked like the preacher from Poltergeist. So, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, she looked. She so looked like she was melting. Weird. Yeah, the entire time I just saw that too. It's like you moved the headstones, but you didn't move the bodies. <laughs> I know I shouldn't make fun of people's appearance, but I hate her. So I don't care. Yeah. When you're that evil, when you're that evil, like there's a threshold. Yeah, exactly. Most people, I won't do it. But once you cross that line where I just think that your life is not worth anything anymore, then yeah, I guess that's kind of a free range sort of thing. Should we talk about things crumbling now? Uh, Yes. That's part. I'm, I mean, it is fun that they crumbled, but the sad part is none of the people that should be affected of it will be affected by it. Right. Because they're just going to go form another MLM somewhere else. And some of them already have formed MLMs otherwise. Like a bunch of like Deanne's kids have MLMs that they're running as well. I mean, that's, that's the problem with this problem too, is it's like Hydra. You cut off one head and two pop out. Right. Scamming people is easy money. It is, especially in a state and country that has no real desire to see it change. No, we're a country that's completely contingent upon upon profit and the market. And, you know, that's that's never going to change. If there's one thing that the last 18 months has truly exposed, it is just how beholden to capital we are. 
We're we're just a house of cards of people stealing from each other. That's pretty much all we are now. <laughs> oh my God! Speaking of people stealing from each other, the the fail cousins weed dispensary was. Oh my God! <laughs> Once again, my really <laughs> my, my my main man Sam, Mister oh Schultz, if you will, that just like. The, the sending the picture of the Google image of a stack of cash is just, that is such a, so fucking that's, awesome. That's a baller move right there. Just like, look at all this money I'm making reverse image search. Huh? <laughs> You're making a ton. <laughs> just a bunch of unmarked bills. <laughs> so fucking cool, man. Oh, so cool. <laughs> Oh, but I do like our good uh, Star Trek nerds idea of just like watching the building burn down as he's like having a vodka cranberry. I love that guy so much. I hope he's I know. A I good felt night so bad that he had to start boycotting Kelly Clarkson because there is nothing crueler than taking a diva away from a gay. No. Yeah. That man just wanted to coach volleyball. Okay. It's true. He loved refereeing volleyball. But he, but he had to work Again, we are though. we are beholden to capital and we are we are unable to pursue our real dreams. Capitalism <laughs> alienates us from our productive juices, and that can include refereeing volleyball. We have strayed so far from God's light. I mean, Jordan, you said it in the group chat, and I really think it hits home that this entire documentary is a case study in Marx's theory of alienation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like point by point to like alienation from your product because you have no control over it. Alienation from the production. Like, for example, the designers who have to like pump out like 100 a day too. like you think they're actually using any sort of like creative juices or they're just going through the motions, just trying to get like some sort of like kitten in front of like a skull with a lightning bolt or something <laughs> like things that don't make any sense. I mean, whatsoever. She, she said it at the end. She was like, she was like, people were just copying shit off of Google. Yeah. As you would, because like a hundred designs, yeah. like I don't give a shit. What were they going to do? Fire me. I hate this job. <laughs> oh god i feel that way every day uh, but no like it was completely alienating and like you look at the people who were alienated from their family from other people from their downlines i mean this had like a profound effect and and libertarians like libertarians and people on the right like to talk about well this isn't just the ideal form of capitalism or anything mlms are the ideal form of capitalism because there's no regulation whatsoever there's nothing none it is the wild west and they can do whatever they want. And all they do is just like steal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you guys Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I'm, I'm done with that thought. That would just just to turn, kind of snowball was, off of that. I have, I have a take that um, I've saved specifically for this podcast. And that is when I was watching this, it kind of dawned on me that uh, the way Lulara operates is super similar to gaining citizenship in America. Like you start off and you pay your $5,000 starter fee to get your Lula, Lula row box. And that's super similar to like the hoops and the tests that you have to take to gain citizenship. 
And then from there, you're completely on your own as, as a LuLaRoe retailer and as a citizen of America. And if you ask for help, you are a drain on society or you are a drain on the, on the company. And, you know, it's all marketed as this, like, it's all about what you put in and it, which is, it's total bullshit when you start the game behind the eight ball, you know, they, and, and both America and, and LuLaRoe love to prop up the people who made it. Uh, and, you know, they, and they will use them in, and as inspiration and while well, completely ignoring like the huge number of those who fail. And it's, it's all under this guise of like, you know, if so-and-so can make it, if so-and-so can be cashing $120,000 checks a month, you know, why can't you? And then if it doesn't work out, well, it's like, well, it's your fault. You know, you didn't work hard enough. You, you weren't, you didn't have that, that grind growth mindset. And it's just, you're right. It's the purest form of Americanism and it is the purest form of capitalism. I mean, the way that they really like, like slave off of people's ideas is that they use their own shame against them too. Like it's that shame, but like, if you don't work hard enough, then you deserve whatever bad happens to you, especially in this company. Right. And I mean, that's kind of like a, you can, you can extrapolate that into America in general too. It's like, well, why do you deserve a place to live if you uh, can't uh, afford one or something like that? It's a, it's the same thing. I mean, <laughs> I think we just live in one gigantic MLM. That's that sucks. That is that is America. I mean, yeah, like there's a reason that it's allowed to function like this not only the country, but also these companies. Yep. Yeah. You know, I just, I forgot the name of the, the, the guy in the documentary who like the only time he was on camera was just railing against MLMs and saying like, all of these people deserve to be jailed. And, you know, if, if LuLaRoe goes down, then we need to start investigating the rest of them because, you know, what LuLaRoe does is, is no different than, what doTERRA or Nuskin or Tahitian Noni or whatever the rest of these fucking companies are, they all do the exact same thing and they play by the exact same rules. Well, so to a piece of actual, like, you know, cultural, like film criticism of the documentary, like we're, like I was saying earlier, like I really do wish this documentary was longer because there was yeah. so much, there's so much that they didn't talk about, like the direct selling association, like the pyramid scheme um, uh, lawsuit with Amway in the 90s. Um, mm-hmm. There's just like so much context here that would like make everything kind of fall into place a little bit more. Um, so it's a bummer that it was like, it feels very hastily made, but um yeah, there's so much here. <laughs> there's just so much here. The fact that it got squeezed into four episodes, I think, does a bit of a disservice to the actual story itself. Oh, absolutely. But at the same point, too, if you start digging into like the political ramifications of like of MLMs, especially among like the bipartisan nature of their support for them, especially in Congress and especially in states and legislatures and attorney general's office across this country, then it would never get made. 
I don't think. Like, I don't think Amazon Prime mm-hmm. is going to put on something. It's going to put like, anyway, we're going to name about 13 senators and 40 members of the House that take money from these essential scams. Um, Hope that's cool. Well, right. Especially because that's like exactly how Amazon runs as well. <laughs> yeah. Is how much money does, how much, how much money does Amazon donate to, to, politicians every year i mean how many hundreds of thousands of dollars oh tons i mean if not if not more than that oh it's even worse than that because i mean just think about how much government contracts like amazon gets through like aws and things like that oh yeah i mean amazon is is the aws is a fucking monopoly at this point yeah like that's a like you can say whatever you want about amazon the real monster is aws but no one likes yeah. to think about that one considering the entire internet and most of the government infrastructure runs <laughs> off of that. Built on AWS? Yeah, no. Don't learn things about how to program. You'll just learn how many things are built on AWS. You can get entire certifications on AWS at this point. Oh, yeah. Many. And yeah, it just lets you know just how much the world is just in a dire strait for monopoly. But whatever. Let's, let's think about the good um, times. Yeah, well, the good times is that these they there's Mark and I, Mark and I, Deanne, yeah, Diane is her sister. Uh, <laughs> Mark and Deanne are probably going to lose their shirts in all of the lawsuits, and I think yeah. that's lovely. I think that's beautiful. Between between like the copyright infringement and then just like the outright fraud. They're going to lose their ugly jigsaw American Uncle Sam pattern shirts. <laughs> yeah, but you know what the sad thing is to me about that too is about the whole thing is that LuLaRoe is probably the lower rung of MLMs too. You're right. And they're not the smart ones. Like the like I talked about, like how like a bunch of MLMs like in like endure themselves to the public by pretty much sponsoring sports teams, getting politicians to do written ads for them on Twitter and things like that. LuLaRoe would have been so much smarter instead of like being Deanne's like personal project project to like run people's lives. If they just decided to go full bore into sponsorships and into like just buying politicians. The reason that they're, they're the sacrificial lamb here is that they probably don't have a black book full of politicians and, and government officials names in it. I mean, that's essentially it. And that's, that is so sad too. Like this horrible company that destroyed so many lives is going to be the one that they're going to be the one closed down by the FTC and everyone's going to clap themselves in the back, but there's 20 or 30 or 50 or a hundred companies that are way bigger than that, that are, way more predatory and they're ruining way more lives and nothing's going to happen to them. Kirsten cinema sponsored by LuLaRoe. Oh, uh, fun fact. I was reading some articles earlier today about Kirsten cinema speaking in front of the DSA, the direct selling association, not the democratic Socialists of America, <laughs> uh, talking about the benefits of direct selling and how direct selling affected her life and how she as a social worker saw how it was enriching so many other people's lives. I have nothing but contempt for that woman. She's the fucking worst. 
like I don't I don't have any sort of like snarky thing to say about Kristen Cinema. She's just the fucking worst. Ugh. I can't say anything about her because all of my thoughts regarding her are actionable. Yeah, I'm yeah. about the same way too. It's just like every single thing <laughs> I I learned something new about her and it just like pushes me towards like well, I wonder how quick I'd lose my account if I just tweeted a picture of a gun at her. <laughs> yeah, she is the most like the nicest thing I can say about her is she is the most parody redacted non-actionable person alive. Yeah. She's the only senator that I think probably had a Facebook live event trying to sell LuLaRoe. <laughs> But she was in it for just love of the game. God, I fucking hate her so fucking much. Holy shit. It makes so much sense that she went to college in Provo, Utah. Wasn't she freaking like a freaking lifestyle anarchist at one point? Yes. She was like, she ran for Congress on the Green Party ticket. I hate her. <laughs> Amazing. Man. Yeah. God. Okay, I have to keep my mouth yeah, shut. Yeah, she now. used to like be like an anti-war protester too. And like during the Senate campaign, it came up too. Is like she had like flyers with like soldiers as skeletons or something for like an anti-war Ooh, watch. And I was like, that's, that's awesome. I don't care. <laughs> it's like pull her in the Senate. Like, and then I was like, oh wait, no, she mellowed out a lot. And now she sucks. Okay, never mind. Yeah, incredible. Just great stuff. Really good things coming out of the state of Arizona. And Utah and California and Nevada. <laughs> just those four, I think, cause a lot of problems for this country. Just that's all of them. Maybe also Idaho, too. We can just throw the entire Mormon corridor in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God, this country sucks. Welcome to the podcast, folks. <laughs> Greg, do we ever like finish a podcast without just like having existential dread at the end of it? <laughs> Rarely. <laughs> I thought this was going to be a fun episode where we just like joked about the shittiest people in the world, but my, how the tables have turned. My, how the turntables. Um, yes. Well, maybe, maybe I'll take this. Uh, this is what I do podcasts about the places people are from. Um, maybe I'll take the that red flag job in Provo. <laughs> just so come can, hang out. <laughs> just so I can get shipped out to a team building exercise once a year. That that'd be perfect. You can be on my downline <laughs> after that. I'm looking for some people. Um <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't tell you what the job is on a recording, but I will tell you what it is afterwards and you will laugh hysterically because it is the most fucking Utah shit ever. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited for this. All right, well, I th <laughs> I think that's probably where we should uh we should probably uh hang it up considering we've uh driven all of us into just a state of uh constant terror and panic. So, uh MJ, want to tell the great. people where they can find you at? Sure. Yeah. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at tiger underscore beatdown. Um, and you can check out the podcast anywhere that you get podcasts. We are not particularly, uh, disciplined about our release schedule, but um, <laughs> that is because we have jobs. Um, and yeah, you can follow the podcast at, uh, hate this town pod. And thank you for having me. 
I agree with you. Uh, structured uh, release schedules are are uh, for the board for the birds. Um, yeah, we tried that once. <laughs> yeah, we tried that once. And then we just realized, like, wait a minute, we're all really busy with like kids or grad school or just living life. And we'll we'll get you when we get you. Anyway, y'all, uh, good night. Greg, you have anything? Well, uh, we did turn all of our brains into tapioca pudding tonight. Uh, and I would just like to um, let the listeners know this is but episode one of this MLM series. And we will be back with more episodes and more brain poisoning. So stay tuned, folks. You know what? The stuff I found we're probably just going to end up doing like a series on like an MLM a week or so, just because like I (laughs) buddy, the stuff we found out about doTERRA and then like the stuff I found about you, like young living, we could probably do young living is magnificent. Oh, MJ, we might have to have you back for that one. I, I, I am extremely mentally ill. I would love to, you know what? That's the one person we can talk about this from this, from the uh, documentary was that one person who just does nothing but like studies MLMs online. I'm like, I get her. Like, that's me. I do this. She seems extremely well adjusted and I'm not being sarcastic. Like she seems like an extremely well adjusted and lovely woman. Oh no, I absolutely agree. I'm just like, you're, you're awesome. You just like, look up this thing that fascinates you online and then talks about it all the time. That's me. I could be that. That is podcasting. Can't relate. (laughs) All right. Well, everyone, you have yourself a good night and choose the left. Thank you.